The United States of America has been the primary destination for foreign migrants since 1970. According to the UN's World Migration Report of 2020, the number of foreign-born residents of the country has more than quadrupled from less than 12 million to about 51 million in less than 50 years. But why do so many people immigrate to the US? Well, individual reasons may vary and these reasons may have changed throughout the years, but perhaps all of them share a commonality. It is of course the promise of the American dream. James Truslow Adams first coined the term American dream in 1931, saying that life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone, with opportunity for each, according to ability or achievement, regardless of social class or circumstances of birth. According to the Census Bureau's 2018 American Community Survey, there are now about 4.1 million Filipinos, or Americans with Filipino ancestry, residing in the U.S. That's roughly equivalent to the entire population of the state of Oregon. So how did these Filipinos get a chance to achieve the American dream? Welcome to the 65th episode of Banana Q Podcast. And in this special episode, we get to interview not one, not two, okay, only two, Filipinos who moved to the U.S. through two of the most common routes. First, I chat with Anjali Angara, who moved to Phoenix, Arizona, through the sponsorship of her employer, followed by a conversation with Cedric Pakapagal, who got his green card through a U.S. citizen petition filed by his parents living in California. Without further ado, here's our conversation. This segment, we have a very special guest in the name of Anjali Angara, the co-host behind the Retrospectives, a nostalgia podcast. G, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ray. It's so good to be here. Awesome. And in this episode, we will be tackling about Filipinos who are living in the U.S. So, gee, why don't you start by talking about your background in the Philippines? Where are you Mm -hmm. originally from and what line of work do you do? Sure. So, I grew up in Laguna, Calamba, Mm. Laguna specifically, and I moved to the U.S. right around 2008. So, right around when you guys are moving from, you know, Cebu to Manila when I listen to your podcast. So, we're moving right around those times. Um... And um, my background is actually information technology. Awesome. I graduated in Letran Calamba um, mm. in 2002. And I got really lucky that at the hype, right before the whole call center became such a big industry in the Philippines, mm-hmm. I was one of the ones that started in a call center called eTelecare. They're Ooh. no longer around because they've been bought by so many different other um, call center companies. So I started with them after college. And then from there, they moved me to the U.S., to Phoenix specifically, because they needed project managers. So I was in the IT part of the call center building. So we were deploying computers and telephones and then turning on 
the technology to make it happen for the calls to transfer from the U.S. to the Philippines. That sounds amazing. I know. I got really lucky. I'm super duper blessed that I got connected to, you know, the right people within the company that allowed for me to migrate from the Philippines to the U.S. Because I used to travel back and forth quite a bit. And I used to stay in the U.S. for six months to do projects and then back again in the Philippines for a few months and then back again in the U.S. that they've decided maybe it's just time to get her a permanent residency so we don't have to spend so much time and money, yeah. you know, you know, flying her back and forth. So, And then from there, I decided to stay to the U.S. when... Um, you know, and just kind of stay here for good because I thought it was a good move for me to stay here permanently. But since then, I've moved um, to finance now. So now I'm in finance. I'm no longer in IT. That's awesome. There's a lot of things to unpack there. First, <laughs> my, my yeah. history is a little bit rusty, but Calamba Laguna, there's something to do with Jose Rizal, isn't it? About right. Yes, you're right. Um, he was born in, he, I think, yes, he's born and raised there. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, okay. Then, <laughs> then I'm right. <laughs> Are you yes. by any chance related to the great Sigat Jose Rizal? No, oh. <laughs> no, I'm not. Although he's very, you know, his house is actually super close to where I used to live. Oh, that's awesome. Like, so you're neighbors of Jose Rizal. So yes, oh. neighbors. Thank you. Yes, you yes. are the closest person to Jose Rizal that I know. So thank you very much <laughs> for that. And then you Good. mentioned 2008. So it's in the midst of global financial uh -huh. crisis, right? Or was it just at yeah. the cusp of it before? Just about. Just about. Just to. about. Yeah. So, uh, it was 2009 when the whole bubble yeah, burst. So you started mm -hmm. off with information technology. And at that, that mm -hmm. point in time, a lot of work from the U.S. got actually transferred to low-cost countries like Philippines, right? Myself, I started working with Citibank in Makati, essentially doing the yeah. same thing because of the global financial crisis. Companies around right. the world are looking for efficiencies yeah. and cost effectiveness and that is why the philippines boom uh -huh. in the kind of call center industry uh -huh. shared service centers i know and then for you you actually moved to the u.s through your company so they I help know. you kind of move right like yeah. they process the visa yeah. and all that yes they did yes i was super duper lucky because i i don't think i would have made it at all possible to move here given you know given my given my line of work mm. i think usually you know nurses will be able to do something like that to you know move over here through work but i just got really lucky that you know they needed somebody and they decided that they should just you know um do everything for me I, they basically filed for the paperwork mm. in the embassy and then i just showed up for the interview um and then kind of processed everything from there that's awesome so a lot of people actually go through the U.S. in a different way, right? So probably they have family mm -hmm. already living in the U.S. and they are getting petitioned to stay in the U.S. as a permanent resident. So that's very much time-bound yeah. and dependent on your kind of connections right. in the U.S. But for yourself, you have the company sponsoring you. And I wanted to ask yes. you, like may maybe before you lived in the U.S., you, can, you mentioned you've been traveling back and forth. How would you describe mm -hmm. or compare and contrast, you know, the life, the work environment you have in the Philippines versus the <laughs> ones you have in Arizona? Um, that's a really good question because there's a big difference between the two. Mm. Um, it was sort of a shock for me, actually, when I first got here, the very first time I moved over here or at least traveled for the project. There's a big difference between work ethic, you mm. know, I mean, and it's not to knock 
the you the American life at all. It's just that there's just so much in the day that they don't really they can't really do the overtime because they have to pick up kids because they have daycare. <laughs> And so they have to really, so when the time, when they have to go, they really have to go. You can't make them stay, you know, but I feel like in the Philippines, if you have to go, you will stay. I mean, you have to, if your boss tells you to stay, you're going to stay, right? But here, there's a difference in the culture in terms of that. Yeah. I mean, especially in the call center environment, I guess, because most of those employees are time bound too. some of them will have to go to their other jobs because Mm. the call center jobs don't really pay that much. Mm. So they have other jobs. So in order for them to pay to pay the bills. So there's that. And then in terms of the other manager, too, I've noticed that, you know, they typically, you know, usually Friday afternoons, nobody's in the office anymore. (laughs) You know, right, like right around four o'clock. You know, it's pretty much ghost town. Mm. Um, They definitely value their their lifestyle. It's not always like that. It just depends on the company. Mm. That's a good point, though, because you're right. In the Philippines, probably we spend a lot of time overtime. Like we prioritize work over whatever it is. Everything else is secondary. But in the U.S., it's five o'clock. I'm going to be right out the gate. (laughs) Almost always. Yes. You'll see people that will be like, well, I got to go, you know, Mm. so they. You know, they have to go. Um, but but it just depends in the industry and it just depends in the situation because it's not always like that. Like, for instance, now that I'm in the finance world, we're really busy right now because the interest rates are really low. So mm. a lot of people are refinancing, purchasing houses and all that stuff. And so, you know, right now we've got people who's working around the clock, sometimes 16-hour days, 17-hour days to just keep pushing those loans. Mm. So there is that. I mean, people still tr- strive to do the work-life balance, mm. but it just depends on the industry that you're in. Yeah. Let's talk about that. You shifting from information technology to mm-hmm. finance. It's a lateral move. And in the Philippines, it's quite hard to actually make that move, right? Because uh, yeah. going to a job, they will require, oh, you must have four years experience with right. this. You must be a graduate of this degree. You must have uh-huh. a pleasing personality. I don't know what that means, <laughs> to be honest. But, <laughs> but how, how did you do that? How did you move to a totally different industry? Um, gosh, again, I, I got really lucky. When I permanently moved here, I started networking with a bunch of other people who were people that were outside my IT industry, you mm. know, like people I actually met at the gym. Mm. Um, you know, I started talking to them and stuff and started, you know, just, you know, going for lunch, dinners or whatnot. And it, and this friend of mine that I met at the gym, she was a branch manager at one of the banks in, in, in Phoenix. And, you know, I told her that I was working round the clock because being in IT, sometimes, almost always, actually not sometimes, you're you're sort of on a, on on call all, almost on weekends and at mm. nights, and um, I was really getting stressed, and I didn't really want that life for me anymore. So mm. I was trying to look for other industries. So she told me that the bank life here in the U.S. is a lot more. Let's just say it's easier for you to have that. It's easier for you to attain work life balance. Mm. So she connected me with another department there that was hiring, and then, luckily enough, even though I didn't have experience. They somehow trusted that I could do the job, but mm. I told them that I just need training, you know, for a few months, mm. and then maybe after a few weeks, I was able to get it on. And um, you know, you know, it kind of from there, I was able to just kind of climb the ladder and just move different, yeah, you know, different companies. That's awesome. I'm I myself, yeah. I'm in finance as well, and I can see that a big branch that's like evolving in finance is fintech, which is the marriage oh, between yes. finance and technology, and 
You're right. right in the middle. You have both specialization. I have both. <laughs> I got lucky. So you mentioned that yeah. you kind of got into that conversation through a person in the gym. And I think in the US, that's quite normal, right? To have small talks with total strangers. Whereas if I contrast that in the Philippines, that doesn't <laughs> necessarily happen. It doesn't happen. I know. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I don't know. I guess they just value networking here. Mm. I guess for as long as they think that you could do it, they, they're willing to give you a chance. You know, I think you're, they're more maybe trusting mm. in that way. Yeah. I think in the Philippines, it's a lot more competitive, don't you think? Because there's yeah. the workforce there. There's just so many people trying to get into the job, I guess. Mm. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, in the Philippines, it is very competitive in a sense that unemployment rate is quite high. And so if there's an open position, there are probably 20 able-bodied that will yeah. be you know, just looking for that job. Whereas in developed countries, potentially there are more jobs than workforce. And that's why right. there's more choice. Like, mm, I, if yes. you can offer me a good deal, then probably step away and move on to another opportunity. Yeah. You're right. That's probably one of the good things about being in a you know developed country. You have more choice yeah. as to work. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I want to zoom in on the American life because mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that I only see on TV and on the movies that I just want to get your sense of how sure. realistic they are. First of all, probably this is realistic, but I just want to get the gist mm -hmm. of it, like tipping. Like in the Philippines, we don't pay tips at all. I like, know. How, yeah. how, how did you adjust to that? I had to get adjusted to that real quick because you can't not tip, you know? Mm. Um, I don't know. It's just part of it. You, you, just have to, you just have to think for yourself that, um, you know, um, if they do an extra good job for you, then that's why you're tipping them. Mm. Um, but I, I struggled with it at first because, in my opinion, mm. this is part of your job, you yeah. know, for you to serve <laughs> me i don't have to tip you but it's just norm it's just norm so i mean i just usually do a bare minimum if they just do you know an okay job but if i can tell that they really did far beyond and just trying to connect with you and talk to you and you know keep checking with you and everything then i give like 15 percent or 20 percent. but um the minimum is just 12 percent. Mm. i think yeah <laughs> but i always uh, yeah 15, I just 15 and 20 percent. that's that's not cheap change. 20, That's a big chunk of no, money. Yeah, I know. 20% is the highest you can give them. You can give them 25% if you want. So so let's say if you go to the salon, mm. that's you have to tip them. Almost always you have to. Mm. Anything that at all requires service, you will have to kind of give a tip. Yes. Good thing I don't need to go to the salon. I cut my own hair. So probably <laughs> savings on my end. But I, like in here in Japan, for example... There's no tipping at mm -hmm. all. Like even though service oh, is excellent, you don't have yeah. you don't feel obliged or you don't have to give anything. In fact, they will be insulted if you give extra. Oh because wow. they will feel that eh, isn't our price enough or do yeah, you yeah, think yeah. that I'm not paid enough as a server? Something like that. It's like right, you're pitying me. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like are you wow. looking down on me? That's why you're paying more than what is stipulated. So culturally yeah. it's it's a very big uh, mm -hmm. difference and i would say in europe as well right like countries don't usually tip it's, it's usually just the u.s that's big on tipping yeah usually yeah i i went to australia and i can't remember if we tipped there too i think we did too okay but that i can't one, remember I now been to australia, so i can't really comment on that one listeners from australia let us know do you pay tips and how much yeah uh -huh. <laughs> 
Sorry to my friends in Australia. I know I was just there in 2019. Completely forgot about it now. <laughs> probably they paid for it. I don't know. Uh, why they don't probably you, did. Why don't you take <laughs> us to maybe your life and, you know, if yeah. there are movies that you can say that, nope, that's an over-exaggeration of what an American life is. Could you talk us through any experience that you have? Yeah, I was actually thinking through those kind of movies that mm. is over the top. And to be honest with you, the ones that are probably over the top are the ones that are ultra rich, uh-huh. which obviously I'm not privy of. There's definitely the 1% of the world in, in the, the U.S. population that really have a ton of money, you know, like the Kardashians of the world mm. and the Jeff Bezos and everything. I would imagine that like um, in Meet Joe Black, um, mm-hmm. the owner, like um, the main actor there opposite um, Brad Pitt, um, he was the head of the communications or like a network station Mm -hmm. and he was not really actually driving to work he was taking a helicopter to go to work to new york yeah um and i i would think that that's over the top but Mm. to be honest with you maybe in if you have the lifestyle i i would i've heard of it that it is possible like for instance the actors and actresses that live in hollywood Mm. they actually really truly have helicopters so that they don't have to drive through traffic Mm. because the traffic in la is actually really bad so instead of taking, you know, cars or buses or whatever, they, tour buses, um, they would r- much rather just take helicopters. So it is, I would say that most of the time, I would say 90% of the movies that I have seen truly is like the U.S. kind of life. Yeah, it's close to it. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about your daily life? Um, gosh. It's pretty boring, actually, but because I work from home now. So, oh, yes. you know, when the you know, when the pandemic hit um, last year, I started working from home and I started working remotely. Hmm. So my day pretty much consists of, you know, waking up in the morning, making myself some coffee, making breakfast, doing a little bit of a like a slight workout to kind of, you know, wake myself up. Hmm. And then I sign on during the day. Um, and just kind of work sort of, you know, eight hour, nine hour day and then log out and then do my actual workout, Mm. make myself dinner, watch some show and then read a book, then go to bed. That's pretty much it in the day to day. And I have a cat that I take care of. He takes up a lot of my time (laughs) because he's can be kind of high maintenance so he likes to go out of the house some, sometimes and play with the cats you know mm. around the neighborhood so um you know it, he keeps me company during the day um sometimes we would go out in the backyard him and i and we will just you know as i'm eating my breakfast or having my coffee he would be re- sitting right next to me or just watching the birds or something so like you know like really quiet kind of morning which is kind of nice and then on weekends that's when i really do something because that's when i'm kind of getting cabin fever being at home all yeah. week so that's when i start just you know going to either see my brother who's about an hour and a half away from me now um so i would sometimes go see him or you know that i would go um check out the le- local places to go out here to just kind of see what else is you know out here that i can do to kind of entertain myself um and then sometimes i would go um yeah pretty much visit my friends outside of the states or um, outside of Texas where I live now. But mm. uh, most of my friends are still obviously in AZ because I moved there mm. from there to here recently. 
that's, you know, honestly, pretty much it. There's really nothing major or grand <laughs> in mm. the day to day. But before when uh, I was working from home in Phoenix, it's there's more action there in terms of, you know, you drive through traffic. It takes mm. about maybe 30 to 40 minutes to get to work. And then um, you kind of spend the day with your coworkers near you and, you, you know, you go to lunch or sometimes you order in and you kind of just sort of chit chat during the day while working type mm. of stuff. Um, and then you go to a happy hour, you know, that, so I guess in, in the movies, you know, when they go to happy hour and go drinking and stuff, it's pretty much a culture here, um, you know, doing something like that. But I mean, even in the Philippines, a lot of people do that too. So yeah, it's, that's true. First you, you have a cat. So my co-host also has a cat and she named oh, really? Froyo DiCatrio. Oh, <laughs> so, that's so cute. <laughs> yes. You should connect with D because probably we have a lot more topics to talk yeah. about. But you're right. Because of the pandemic, our working culture, working mm -hmm. lives has totally changed. Essentially yeah, just managing sure. your time within a confined space. And only the weekends yeah. is really the opportunity to step out. But even if you can step out during the weekends, services are very limited. Some of the shops can only mm -hmm. cater a limited number of people. So Actually, yeah, I guess that's one of the contrasts and the difference with our situation. Because in the U.S., it's pretty much back to normal. I mean, yeah. you're not even really mandated to wear masks it's more like it's just highly suggested hmm. and urged but most people don't wear masks it depends on the state you know if you're in california probably um but in in texas where i'm at um almost always you won't see anybody wearing masks anymore i see so that's another difference i guess I um <laughs> i guess here it's you know you have wider spaces you know hmm. it's not it's it's easier for you to practice social distancing because they mm. don't really, they don't really, you know, come close to you. Mm. Um, almost always they sort of just leave you alone. So that's a good point. And you mentioned regarding about that earlier as well, geographically U S is very big and spacious, right? And you mentioned you mm -hmm. driving to your brother's place, like uh, an hour and a half. Is, is that normal? Like I can see people like in movies, like having to drive in the highway as a regular part of their lives, maybe on the weekends, yeah, go somewhere. It is. Yeah, super normal. I mean, especially in Texas, because Texas is really big. Hmm. Um, you can drive from one end to the other end in the same day and you're still in Texas. So that's hmm. how big it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess because it's, it's just wide open spaces. That's the one thing, too, that I've noticed when I first moved out here is that there's just so much land hmm. and just. Yeah, just vast. Even the freeways. I mean, some of them, especially in the bigger cities, they have like five or six lanes. Wow. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> but there's because everybody drives, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to get by depending on the state that you're in. If you don't have a car, it's hard mm -hmm. for you to go from one end to another end. Yeah, you're right. So five to six lanes one way. That's like <laughs> very, we don't have that in the Philippines. Uh, no. <laughs> Awesome. Cool. And my final question would be moving to the mm -hmm. U.S. Well, was it all worth it? Like the sacrifice, you leaving behind your comforts of your life in the Philippines, moving to Arizona. Would you say it's worth it? That's a really loaded question because it's it's uh, I wish that it's black and white mm. and I wish I can say, yes, it's totally worth it. Um, and I guess the I would say, I guess the finance person in me always don't give a, a full 100%. You know, you always have to give ranges because it always depends on the situation. I would say it is, yes, worth it. Um, 
but it does pain me a little bit that I'm far away from, hmm. you know, a lot of people that I know that I grew up with, especially my family. So um, just a quick background. My brother is here, but my mom is still in the Philippines. Hmm. She's still on the fence about wanting to come out here for good. Um, so it's just him and me. So it's such a small, you know, family unit. It's hmm. just him and I and the rest, my cousins, my my aunts, and there's like five of them. They're still in the Philippines. So I have a bigger family in the Philippines and they're still over there. Um, what I regret the most is the fact that I can't always just fly over there, yeah. you know, because of the money and also because you have to take time off. Yeah. Um, and so that's the, that's the drawback is that it's too far away. You know, if, if probably if I'm in Australia, that's what, like four hour flight or five mm. hour flight, I think. Yeah. So it's a lot quicker and accessible in that way. But for me, traveling to the Philippines will take me literally the quickest way to get there is about 16 hours. You fly to the Hawaii first, about six hour flight, and then Hawaii to the Philippines for another 10 hour. Mm. So is it worth it? Yes. But there's some, you know, some, some stuff that's kind of heartbreaking a little bit. It's just the fact that you're away from your loved ones. Um, and it's never enough, you know, when you see them and you come visit, you know, you, you're happy about it. And, but then after a few weeks, you know, you have to go back and you, it's, it saddens you a little bit that, yeah. you know, you, you won't see them again for maybe about a year or two. I was supposed to go back last year, but because of the COVID situation, I had to postpone the flight or cancel the flight for now until, you know, until maybe it's safe to fly back again. Cool. Gee, thank you very much for your time. This was an insightful conversation. And if you want to catch more of Gee, please consider listening to the Retrospectives and Nostalgia Podcast. Gee, thank you very much and hope you have a good day. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you. Let's bust right into it, Sid. Uh, so why don't you give us a little bit of your background, where you're from originally in the Philippines, and what is it that you do for a living? My name is Sid uh, Makapagal or Sidric. I'm from Cebu City, Philippines. I was born and raised in Cebu. I was a teacher for four years. I graduated 2015. Then mm. I taught um, high school English. Nice. And um, other subjects okay. in the Philippines. Yeah, so I was a teacher. Nice. How did you end up in the U.S.? Tell us the story about you living in the Philippines and then transitioning to the U.S. How did that all happen? It's a family for me. My mom lived there. Mm. For uh, like, like all, almost like a decade since 2006, 2007, something like that. Mm. And then I uh, decided to petition us when I was like probably 18, 17, something like that. And my, my other brother as well, when he was probably 15. Mm. But the paper took way too long. So I was petitioned 17 and I left when I was 22. Wow. So five yeah, years. So that, yeah, so uh, took took a while. What's the process? Like, your parents obviously did some paperwork in the U.S. to petition you mm -hmm. to come over. But what did you have to do on your end while you were still in the Philippines? Did you go for an interview? Basically, it's petitioning an immediate relative through an American citizen. Mm -hmm. So if you're an American citizen, you can get your spouse, you can get your parents, you can get your unmarried sons and daughters under the age of 21. Mm. And I think that's it. So basically, you can bring any of those. So I, I was under that category because I was unmarried and I was under 21. Mm. So for my papers, it was basically just like an info sheet. And uh, since I was a student, so I didn't really have to declare a lot of stuff. Mm. Basically, I just have to do this info sheet, birth certificate, 
and all that. That was like the most important document. <laughs> but this is where the problem um, lies. So people who are going to, to, to the United States via that route and via family petition, mm. you need to have secondary documents. What does that mean? It means it's anything that proves that you are who you say you are. So pictures from your mom when you were a kid, like it was, it was me and my mom. My mom was in the United States. So mm. I have to prove to the consul that I am her mm. son. It's not enough you have all the paperwork. You have to have proof <laughs> that you are, you know, you are who you say you are. Gotcha. So what so you need to show like probably pictures. Mm. Not pictures when you were already big, like you're seven, eight, nine. No, baby pictures. Mm. Baby pictures. You need to have like probably like a baptismal certificate or your ultrasound that says your <laughs> name. Yeah, like it's really like that. Mm. Like this is with me and my mom when we were like, you know, I was a baby. We went to SM Cebu, something like that. I imagine if you applied today, that would have been a lot easier through digital social media, right? Like you can just, yeah. here's my Facebook account. <laughs> Look at me. That's me when I was two. Like everything yeah. is digital. <laughs> yeah, well, well, back then, well, Facebook was there, but it wasn't like as prominent yeah. as today. But yeah, I had to. I had to show that. And then obviously our pictures were from 1993, 1995. It's, it's, it's hard to find. Mm. Let's talk about then you moving to the U.S. Like, can you talk us through that experience? Like your first time landing? How was that like? Oh, I still remember. I still remember wanting to not go. <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> well, you know, if you live if you live in the Philippines for 21 years, your whole life is here. And suddenly you're, you're grabbed by the collar and just decide like, oh, you're going to go live in another country for the rest of your life. And it's not my, you know, it's it's my it's my parents because like they, they decided to. When you're 18, like you kind of have a sense of what you want to do mm. and all that, but not really. Other people would feel going to the United States. I'm pretty sure I'd sound super ungrateful or sound so privileged of, I don't want to go to the United States. But, <laughs> but like, that's what I felt. It wasn't really something about being ungrateful. It's just, you know, where you want to go. You know, you know what you want to do, but you can't do it. But if it's for family, you know, that's why I decided, you know, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll you know, I'll. Try to live my life in the United States. And I wanted to ask, like you've mentioned a very important thing, right? Like there's a difference between you getting invited for a green card f through family because you don't feel the pressure of actually looking for a job, actually looking mm -hmm. for a visa. What was your story w when you were in the U.S.? Did you have that urge to look for a job or what did you do in your, say, first three, six months? Well, I really wanted something to do. That's why I probably I was looking for a job. Mm. But then uh, I was looking for a job that was more in line mm. with what I studied. Mm. So that's kind of like a whole thing because obviously, you know, you're Filipino with an English teaching degree yeah. in an English speaking country. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying because why would you hire a non-native English speaker as an English teacher teaching native english-speaking students like it's a bit strange so I, I get your kind of dilemma yeah yeah like that, that, that's the thing but eventually i got a job as an english teacher awesome in, in america <laughs> so that was the thing 
but it took a while. It took it took a while, like a whole lot. But being an English teacher, you know, it's not just about communication. I know a lot of students don't know about verbs, don't know about nouns. It's <laughs> about English. It's about grammar. It's about composition. It's about literature. You know, it's in the English language is not just about how do you do and you know talking and knowing how to pronounce words. Mm. No, it's it's a whole subject. So I know I can handle that department. I can definitely teach you about the speech patterns, about direct object, indirect object, object the prepositions, all that. And they they don't know how to do that. I can teach that. Mm. So that was my like my my take on it. And yeah, I had received an email. The director of the school was actually an American who lived in Abu Dhabi. Mm. So that's like the connect, the Filipinos. So she lived in Abu Dhabi for like 10 years, something like that, as an English, like a director, something about education. Mm. And that's when she had an interaction with Filipinos. Mm. And because of her interaction in Filipinos in Abu Dhabi, she's in UAE, she has this affinity of knowing what Filipinos are as a worker. And she definitely told me that. So. She knows that Eng- the Filipinos are in- are very well. You know, we speak English very well, and we're very hard workers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's why she gave me a chance mm-hmm. of the interview. And gladly enough, I you know I uh, they definitely asked a lot of questions and and all that, and did the demo. And yeah, I taught high school English for about two semesters. So that's like a year. I taught high school regular curriculum English, which is mm-hmm. general English. I taught honors English, or it's it's a, it's the higher level of English. I taught writing classes, um, U.S. history for some reason, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, economics as a sub. So yeah, I did that for a whole uh, a year. Uh, yeah, for a whole year. Yeah, but it took a while. It took a while because I really wanted something that's in line with what I study. Mm, you've mentioned you landed in LAX. You taught in California. We're about in California. I taught in California because I am living in California. Mm. I'm living in Huntington Beach, California. Oh, wow. Yes, surf capital of the United States. Awesome, Huntington <laughs> Beach. That's about southeast of LA. Yes. Yeah, so. Probably around an hour, mm. an hour from LA, an hour from Disneyland, Anaheim, an hour from San Diego. It's a big coastal beach. I want to zoom in on that experience. You teaching high school, how was that like? Like, are the movies that I see correct portrayal of the actual life <laughs> in the West Coast US? Um, yeah, I would say so. Well, okay. I live in a rich white suburbia, mm-hmm. so whatever you see in nineties. Home Alone movies. Uh-huh. It's definitely quite close to oh, that. Interesting. Uh, people walking their dogs. Wait, wait, hold on. Home Alone. So you mean oh. leaving your kid home alone is normal? No, no, no. But basically, like the the, the scenario, uh, the vibe. The vibe. It, like, okay. Yeah, the vibe. Uh, you know, <laughs> if you know, if you're living in the suburbs, if you're living from Orange County, you know, you know, people tend to their yard. People walking their dogs. Mm. People are super buff, you know, they go to Whole Foods, <laughs> they jog in the street at 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. or 1 p.m., which is super, super hot, but they still do it for some reason. I don't know why. 
<laughs> they jog without their shirt. Wow. It's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. So, do you do that as well? No, no, no. <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> For eating it. <laughs> well, if we're California, it's it's the sun is always rising, that's for sure. But the wind is cold, which is nice, you know. Why don't you describe to us like the level or the type of students that you have in your school and compare and contrast that with the type of students that you have in the Philippines? Oh, shoot. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's it's a whole thing because I... So I taught in a private school. So that adds to... And it's expensive. If, Mm. If you know, if you're in the United States... Private school is a luxury. It's a luxury. Yep. You know, people just, you know, they just go to public school. But if you have the cash, if you have the money, yeah. I have some students who are, you know, they're white and they're super smart and they're focused. I have some that are also white, but they're not. There's one student who is super rich. They have like a ranch Ooh. with horses. So... They're like, she's an equestrian. Wow. So she competes. And if, you, if you're studying that school, you're, the schedule would work for you. Mm. You can say, I don't want to go to school. That's fine. They can do that. <laughs> um, they're super rich because they get vacations mm. and the horses get vacations. So if the horses get stressed, they get massages, they get to go to a spa their horses get vacation that's how rich they are Uh that that's crazy white people rich (laughs) (laughs) and i have a i have a student that's like a formula one racer what okay high school student a high school student no nascar nascar not formula nascar I have a student that's a NASCAR driver. I don't, I'm not sure if he's like, like an apprentice, but he's part of the NASCAR scene. Mm. And I have like a baseball player. Uh, and yeah, so, so those kind of students, they don't really focus on education, but they kind of, they, they can manage. Mm. I have other students, or all, uh, I have also Hispanic students, I forgot. I remember this one student, their parents, I remember her parent specifically said that it's okay for her to just have the passing grade because mm. she will become a model anyway. What? <laughs> ah, I see. I, I get the reference because, yes, California, the land of opportunity, right? Entertainment industry, I would say some even drop out, right? Just so they mm-hmm. can pursue yeah. you know, a career. Being a teacher, it's a, it's a whole different job. And that's just the students and parents. It's a whole different arena because... You know, if you have a Filipino teacher who is who lived in the Philippines and you're a student, they don't pretty much really care, I guess. Mm. You know, there's not as long as you're doing your job, they don't really like, oh, you're from the Philippines. Like, there's nothing like that. Mm. But from the parents, that's where that's a whole different issue. I had like a very subtle racist undertone remarks mm-hmm. you personally how, how would you manage that if, if you hear slurs against race and against oh, well, where uh, you're from? like like for example like they'll ask oh so where do you learn how to speak english or like oh so you you 
study in the Philippines, something like that. Uh, yeah, I say I would just say yeah, yeah. I study in the Philippines. I kind of just like answer it as straightforward as possible, so that they don't have really other follow up questions. Mm. And but you know, you know, you feel it. Mm. You feel it when they. That's the thing with like with with Americans in general. Like they're, you know, that they're overly polite because you know that they have something else that you want to say mm. you know um I, I guess like i'm probably not just americans but but it's more highlighted because they really love small talk so much that they really it just spills out mm. you know we don't you don't see a cashier in sm and then just say like hi good morning like nice day today huh is that all like no ladies oh good morning mom thank you like that's it like we don't do that but they have that that kind of attitude um i probably i'm generalizing but like that's my experience and then you know how polite they are with that 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 kind of quote-unquote fake politeness when they say something that's you know say something that's derogatory or bad in mm. in in disguise with something good like mm. how they say it you know for sure that they're dissing you or they're throwing shade at you gotcha. so yeah oh, and interesting. you just have to keep pro- being professional i suppose mm. <laughs> and I, i wanted to ask was it all worth it like all the effort all the sacrifice moving to the u.s would you say it was worth the while i would say um i think it's more my parents side who did all the heavy lifting <laughs> uh, but for me it was more emotional it was more you know when you're 21 you're 22 it's like you're like the you know you're it's the start of being an adult mm. and you know living your life and proving to the world that you can do it yeah. so um that kind of was removed from me mm. so that uh, that really affected me But me being a teacher was just being like I I guess I guess a stroke of luck. I did work a lot of other jobs. I worked in a Ross, which is a uh, department store. Mm-hmm. I worked as a med tech. I worked as a caregiver. I wa- worked a lot of different jobs, and that just goes to show that if you're willing to work and do what you need to do, you'll definitely live. Mm. And you can definitely survive in the United States, and you can definitely kind of start your life if that's what you're looking for. Taking control of your life and knowing that it's a, it's a whole different world from what the stories of our parents and and lolos and lolas who moved to the United States. It was a whole different thing because obviously there was no work from home. <laughs> yeah. There was no, like, you're in the Philippines, your boss is from Singapore or your boss is from from the United States and you're earning dollars. There's no such thing as that back then. But now it's like a whole, do I really need to go to the United States? Do I really need to go? I can earn dollars in the Philippines and yeah. live in a third world country. But then again, it's the experience. It's a, it's a whole different, I guess, for me, it was the, the, the experience of, living in a first world country experiencing a different different culture mm. food um meeting meeting different people i love my coworkers just the vibe mm. going to different places yeah i guess yeah yeah for sure 
for sure it was all it was all worth it if a listener is on the fence going to the u.s or not going to the u.s for work or otherwise could you give one advice what would you advise to that person you know you want to go there but you're scared because you want to you're going to fail i guess you just take the leap of faith because mm. in america definitely super scary i know i definitely that's for sure but beyond that there's a lot of opportunity i can definitely vouch for that i wouldn't really say that it's going to be a delightful time but well, i mean we're filipinos you know we we, we can do it <laughs> and whatever they say you know you can make it thank you sid for your time and this has been an insightful conversation keep safe thank you thank you thank you If you've enjoyed these conversations, consider giving us a five-star rating and a review via podchaser.com or visit us at our website, bananacupodcast.com. We'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions. That's all for this episode. Catch you on the next one. Bye! Bye!